We had, we actually had a huge opportunity because our lease was up. We could really take a step back and say, what, what makes sense for us as an organization? And so for us, we made the decision to be able to offer a hybrid work environment where we will have a new office that we're super excited about it. And it's in a great location. Employees are super fired up about it, but we recognize that people need flexibility, whether that's to balance the different needs of their work environment. So I want more quiet space. I'd like to be more collaborative, but then also to balance the needs, um, some, you know, mental health support too. Like, I need interaction with others a couple days a week. I don't need it five days a week. And then there are those that do need it five days a week. And so we really wanted to create an environment that would work for everybody. But because we've built that trust and, you know, trust that this can work, not in person, it's set us up for success. And, I, and I'm really excited that we can offer that to our employees. Welcome to Think Beyond Space the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, principal for the Portland office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. We also dive into the commercial real estate markets and workplace trends that will help shape the future of business in Portland for years to come. Subscribe at cressa.com Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome to the podcast. I am really excited to have Kristen Zervis with us this afternoon. Kristen is the VP of Talent and Culture at Legit Script. A beautiful day outside, but it's great to be in the in the studio with you, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Blake, for having me. And yes, it is gorgeous outside. I think next time we'll do uh, we'll do an out, out an outdoor podcast, coffee walk and talk. That is a great idea. I would be down for that. Yeah. Okay. We'll put that on the calendar. But in the meantime, uh, for those of us or those uh, that don't know who Legit Script is and maybe not know who you are, why don't we just start the conversation with a little bit of your backstory, um, how you became the VP of Talent and Culture at Legit Script, how much fun you're having now doing that, and just a little bit more about the company, and we'll, we'll start the journey from there. Yeah. I mean, how much time do you have? I have kind of a crazy <laughs> journey through HR. Um, so I'll get to legit script in a moment, but so I was actually born and raised in Spokane, Washington, Northwest girl at heart, went to university of Portland and didn't really know actually what I wanted to do. I kind of fell into HR and have had a crazy journey taking on roles in every area of HR. So recruitment, payroll benefits, comp, um, employee relations, and even more like on the technical side. So systems and analytics. But really, throughout my journey, um, I started off in staffing, which is kind of a cool place to start off. Yeah. It's a combination of sales and um, finding great candidates for companies. Um, and then transitioned to First Tech Federal Credit Union, where I think I had my first experience with an awesome mentor who had really who really helped me see like what are the opportunities out there in HR. Um, and really encouraged me to try different things, take on different roles. One of my favorite, one of the best things I learned from her was that never say no. So an opportunity presents itself and say, you know what? I might not know how to do that, but I can figure it out. Yeah. And so First Tech was great for that, but then had the opportunity to go over to Adidas, uh, which is uh, very different. So First Tech, mm -hmm. local Northwest organization, and then um, Adidas is a global, global giant. So spent some time there in HR and then 
like many moms, took some time off to raise my kids. So mm-hmm. had the opportunity to do that and stay home for a little bit. But then that awesome mentor at First Tech called me back and said, hey, do you want to do you want to try something out for a little bit? Do you want to explore a different area? And of course, thinking back to what she said earlier, like never say no. Yeah. I did that. And yeah, had some great experiences there, but then felt like I was missing Adidas. So I went back again. I'm one of those weird, unique people. I was the first tech Adidas, first tech Adidas. Yeah. And then prior to LegitScript was leading a team of awesome HR managers supporting US retail. So we had about 6,000 retail employees. Oh, wow. So big job right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and that's another story I can yeah. share more on that. And then, you know, LegitScript... We have an incredible CEO, Scott Roth, who um, I had met previously and um, had always felt like in the spirit of not saying no, that trying something different, maybe going outside of what going outside of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. going to an organization that's small that maybe needed to build out a lot of different areas um, of HR was going to be a good opportunity for me. So um, talked to Scott and kind of the rest is history. So that's a really long, long journey. I'm going to get into more of that because, okay. So as a graduate of UP, what did you study at UP? And when you were, you like, oh man, can't wait to get out and be an HR. No, I went to UP to study nursing. I was convinced that was my, my career. Um, I actually failed chemistry like miserably. And then I thought, oh, I'm just going to keep going. And I I got a D in statistics and I'm like, this is not going to, this is your first year. This is my first year. I was like, this is not going to work well for me. So I um, realized very quickly with the help of some advisors that I probably needed to find a different path. Um, and I think that's that's part of who how who I've become today is yeah. um, coming to that realization that things don't always work out as planned. And you have to often pivot when maybe you see like the, at the, you see the end end game and you're like, yeah, that's not really going to work out. So Listen to that advice, went into teaching, also realized that was probably not the best fit for me, um, and then landed in organizational communications, which for me was kind of a catch-all. It was something that I enjoyed um, learning about, and then I felt like that would set me up for success down the road, not really having a clue where I was going to end up. So um, graduated with that degree and thought, I'm going to go sell payroll at ADP, and clearly that didn't work out either. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were selling recruitment, actually. So exactly. Okay, so then you went from from you know graduating UP and then a recruiter. How, so how did you then make that change from effectively sales to in, in-house HR? So it just kind of fell in my lap. I on this journey, I met my husband. We moved to the East Coast, um, and so I had to find a new job. And I'm like, great, I'm going to find a new job. I became an admin, a facilities admin. People called me when they needed their toilets fixed. They were too hot or too cold. Um, it was smelled bad, you know, whatever it was. So I was that person and um, I took it in stride. I'm like, yep, I can do this. This is awesome. But I loved the HR team there. And so I would have lunch every day with the HR team and um, realized that maybe that could be a good fit for me. And so moved into their recruiting team and was a recruiting coordinator. So that's how I kind of got my feet wet into HR. Um, And then we moved back to Portland and that's when I also, I transitioned over to staffing. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then from staffing, then you went back into 
HR after sta- after the staffing. Yeah. So when I was um, recruiting for all these great organizations, I also saw how great in-house HR was. And I thought, you know what, that's where I want to be. So um, I made that my, my next step. It took me a little bit to get there, but um, that's when I ended up at First Tech. So you have seen a very wide spectrum of HR to people, culture, talent, and everything sort of in between, I would imagine from First Tech to Adidas and then back. And then, I mean, like you said, the prior to Logiscript, you were managing, there's 6,000 people in US retail for Adidas. So that then to Logiscript and how many people do you guys have at Logiscript? Uh, with contractors, we're over 175, but um, full-time regular employees were about 160. So huge okay. shift. Big shift. But in turn, if you think, I don't know, it's just one of those, it, it seems one of those excitement opportunities of like a, of a growth. I mean, not that Adidas isn't a growth company, but it's just much different, right? And so- what did you look at at Legitscript and say for you personally, like, well, okay, this is an opportunity to do something similar, but maybe a little bit different in in your past experiences in-house? For me, it was really looking at and understanding my strengths. So I'm a huge fan of strengths finders. I love it. Uh-huh. Um, I highly recommend it to anybody who's not exactly sure what they want to do. In fact, I have a lot of friends whose kids are going to college, and I recommend that their kids go through that assessment because That's I think it... It helps you understand what maybe you shouldn't be doing. So if it's not a strength and you're struggling with it, maybe you need to find something different. And so um, I really looked at my strengths and one of my strengths is ideation. And that is, that's me in a nutshell. I'm always the one that's like, I have this great idea and I may have no idea how to go about implementing it, but I love that idea, idea generation. And so when you're at a large global organization, that can become a lot more difficult because um, you're often taking direction from, it's, you know, these are global HR programs that we're implementing right. and I can put my own unique spin on it, but I felt like I would have a greater impact being able to do that at a much smaller organization that needed it, that was asking for someone to come in and help them build out different programs, whether it's compensation, performance management, or, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. So for me, I saw that as a huge opportunity to leverage my strengths and I knew that um, it would feel very fulfilling to be able to do that. So has that? So you've been there for twelve months? Uh, no, since August. So okay. only eight. Yeah, coming up on nine. Nine months. On, on yeah. Nine months. And what's that? What's it? I mean, for you, if you think about strength, you know, strength finders, and and if that fits, is it? I'm assuming it fits right in line with what it is that you're sort of realizing that you were born to do. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of um, I kind of wake up every day and think, wow, how did I get here? Um, because it is, I truly believe that I'm maximizing my strengths right now. That um, you know, it's it's not easy. It whether you're building it for sixty people or six thousand people, it still requires a lot of effort and thought. And this organization is very different than what I what I'm used to, what I came from, and so. It's, it's not easy, but it is everything that I hoped it would be. And we've had a lot of great successes. Um, it's really exciting to see the organization from a people perspective mm-hmm. um, grow from where it was when I got there to where it is now. Um, and truly, and, and to see how we've set ourselves up for future growth because of that. There's still a ton of work to do, but it's been really um, rewarding since I've, I've taken on this role. Sue, talk about that a little bit. So from when you started for where it is now and the growth that you guys have seen and what's the, or that that the company has seen, um, 
I would imagine it, like I said, it's, it's, it's more impactful. Every hire almost is more impactful because of the smaller the team, right? And so like, you know, great hires have a, have a really positive impact in a smaller group and challenging hires can make, have a equally negative challenge. So that growth that you guys, so what, how many people were you when you, when you started? Uh, we were probably in the 140s. So I would okay. say and between 165 regular employees yeah. full-time. So what have you done to, to onboard virtually? And my guess, and, and my guess is that's a, you know, the challenging thing, obviously, but the type of worker that you guys, that, that you sort of recruit for and the talent that, you know, pool that you guys have, just talk a little bit about what that's been like. Yeah. So um, I think it, it, it requires us taking a step back even further to when the pandemic started. So, and I came on board in August. So when I, when I got there, this remote work working thing was like no big deal, but yeah. um, we were originally a Monday through Friday, eight to five in the office kind of organization. So when um, all of a sudden in March, everybody had to work from home, it was a massive shift. I mean, like everybody had iMacs on their desktop and then we had to move everybody to laptops. We had to shift the way we managed the entire organization to a remote organization, which I know a lot of companies went through that, but um, it's a it's a dramatic shift overnight. Yeah. yeah. And so it was, um, you know, when I got there, like I said, things were great, but we had to go from all in person to all remote. And then now we had to onboard people in this remote world. And so for me personally, I did not meet anybody in person before I took this position, which is wow. completely like to even yeah. a lot of people have done that now throughout the last year. But right. Right. At the moment, it felt very scary. It felt very um, yeah. overwhelming. You you question whether or not you're making the right decision because, mm-hmm. like, you've never seen the office. I didn't even. I'd never seen the office. I had no idea what I was walking into. So you had, there was a lot of trust. I, I had a trust. Uh, so having gone through that, I could relate to those that were coming on board to our organization. Yeah. And one of the biggest, like, the number one priority when I came on board was onboarding. So we need to create a program that is remote friendly, but also ensures that people feel welcome, that um, they get to know LegitScript without having to be there, and then also make sure that they feel supported as remote employees um, because it is such a shift from where we used to be. So you guys used to, so so LegitScript used to be a all in, all day, every day, which is actually, it's surprising to me, to be honest, just in terms of like thinking about the the, the the type of work that that you're in, that the, there wasn't a sort of a flex policy or remote policy pre-COVID. Yeah, you know, and uh, having not been there, I- Was it I, surprising for you too? It was surprising, although not really. I feel like even at my previous organizations, especially financial institutions, yeah, that wasn't really a thing. Like um, for, you know, some of these startups, these tech companies, it, it was, but we're kind of a, yeah. a hybrid in a sense. Like, you know, we, we, we monitor the internet. We, we make sure our mission is to keep, to make the internet safer for everyone. And yet a lot of the work that we do, a lot of the work that our analysts do, they like having someone that they can, you know, bounce questions off of in an office environment. And so I think that's just always the way it had been that, that you were there and, and in person and present. So it, it didn't, it didn't surprise me, but I think as many organizations have realized, 
if you had that mindset that it had to be done in the office in person mm-hmm. and you realized, and then all of a sudden you couldn't do it anymore and you had to work with this new world and this new way of working, it actually can work pretty well. And yeah. so it's also changed how we look at um, our future, how we, the future state of our work workplace and whether or not people will need to be there. Yeah. So have you guys, uh, my guess is you guys over the course of, since you been engaged with the, with the company have gone through some sort of remote workplace strategy on what that looks like hybrid or otherwise and what you guys plan to put in place moving forward yeah so we had we actually had a huge opportunity because our lease was up so um we could really take a step back and say what what makes sense for us as an organization and it was interesting because we definitely have a percentage of the population that wants to work at home. That's where they feel the most comfortable. A lot of the work that our analysts do, they need um, no disruptions. They like to have that, you know, focused time. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it made sense. And that's what they wanted. There were others that wanted a little bit of both. And then there were those that just want to be in the office. They're craving that social interaction yeah. and that um, collaboration. And so for us, we made the decision to um, be able to offer a hybrid work environment where we will have a new office that we're super excited about it. It's in a great location. Employees are super fired up about it. But we recognize that people need flexibility, whether that's um, to balance the different needs of their work environment. So I want more quiet space. I'd like to be more collaborative. But then also to balance the needs, um, some you know mental health support too. Like I need interaction with others a couple of days a week. I don't need it five days a week. And then there are those that do need it five days a week. And so we really wanted to create an environment that would work for everybody. But because we've built that trust and you know trust that this can work, not in person, um, it it set us up for success. And I and I'm really excited that we can offer that to our employees. So is the is the space itself going to be when, when you guys think about the purpose of the physical space? What is is it now different? It sounds it sounds like it's different than it was in April of 2020. Um, it's different now, and it, and it will be different in the future. What does that look like? Is it more uh, collaborative space? Is it more um, uh, hub space? Uh, what's sort of the nature of of that of that environment, or at least the planned? for, you know, for, for that environment. And that's, we're still trying to work through all the details, but what we have um, aligned on is we will have a certain number of desks that are available for employees that want to come in. And we're going to have to be strategic about how we structure the schedule um, reservation. We're going to have to to have an app and an online reservation system. We are going to have to, I'm sure manage capacity. I I can't imagine things are going to change all that much, but we were very intentional with the hangout spaces. Um, because I, I truly believe people are going to come into the office to be with people, not to go sit at their desk and just do their work. Because if they can do that from home, then they're going to do that. They want to come into an environment where they, you know, can have work conversations, but also that social interaction, um, collaborate whiteboard, because that's, why people get together. Um, and yeah. so I think, you know, the old, this old world uh, that existed where we would go in, you'd put your headphones on, you'd sit at your desk. I just think that it's going to be very different. We won't see as much of that. And so we need to have spaces that are, in, that support um, the needs of our employees. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, gone are the days of walking into a building, walking up or going up the elevator, going into your office, 
closing the door and being in there for eight hours. It's just, I mean, we were talking about this, you know, pre COVID with a lot of, with a lot of groups, but even more so now it's just, you know, you have a central spot to bring people together um, and do that because we were finding out that people can do a lot of the head down work. And like you said, no distractions to, to a certain degree, there's plenty of distractions. I've, you know, with three kids in my household, there's plenty of distractions that, you know, <laughs> to keep you not focused, but you know, in every, in every, every environment is different, right? Every person's, you know, life is different and how they do things is different and making sure that you have some agility and ability to, to uh, manage individually is, you know, that's, that's important. And people, people, talent people like you have been stretched so much in the last 12 months about not only policy and that, you know, but how then do you retain talent and how do you recruit talent? And there's been so many surveys out there that I think Microsoft is one that put, put one out earlier this year that says like, you know, I don't know, I don't know the exact number, but 40 or 45% of people that are in a current position within the next 12 to 18 months will no longer be at that company or in another position. I mean, that is staggering. Mm -hmm. I mean, nearly 50% of the people that, like, if you just think about your own organization, you know, 160 people, like, who knows, you know, 80 of those, and then, you know, you you gain and you lose in, in both ways. But it's like, it's like, it's, you know, as an employer, it's just, you know, what you have to do now, which is, I mean, which is, a good thing to have, you know, thinking about how you, how you retain your, your talent and recruit your talent. Yeah. And those are all positives. It is. And, um, I read that study. That's a great study, by the way. So many fascinating insights, um, uh, yeah. just from the data that they collect, which is a little yeah. scary, but also exciting. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, organizations and I've had multiple conversations with, you know, business owners, especially smaller business owners. Um, and the question that I get asked often is, if I go back to, hey, I want everybody in the office, um, will I lose talent? And, and my response is, yeah, you probably will. And so you have to make a conscious decision what, what you're okay with. Am I okay with losing this talent? If my best person comes to me and says, you know what? I need a little flexibility. I need to be able to leave or work from home one day a week or two days a week. And you say no, you need to be prepared for that person to say, you know what? 90% of the companies out there are going to offer me yeah. that. And I know that not all organizations can do that and support that just by the, you know, the type of business that they are. But right. I just, I think people have to be aware that that 45% is going to potentially jump ship and, and have a plan in place for when that happens. Yeah. So what is, what are some of the things that you've learned from a, you know, you've made a, 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 company switch in COVID. Not a lot of people have done that, you know, at, at, at your level too. And so what have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about from a leadership perspective of, you know, going from a big to a, I'm not going to call it a startup because it's more, it's a more mature than a startup, but what, what have you learned about yourself and your leadership style? Oh gosh, so much. Um, so not only did I change organization types, so big to little, diff yeah. completely different area of focus, yeah. but when I, I spent half of 2020 um, leading a team who was leading, uh, who was supporting individuals that were on the front lines during the pandemic. So the, the moment things shut down in March as an HR leader, um, I had to put on a completely different hat. So I went from, you know, we coached, we um, employee relations, we developed our employees, we, we worked through situations with managers to, um, we need to ensure a safe environment for our employees, for our customers, 
I know more about PPE than I than I probably <laughs> should. Um, it was designing solutions and processes that worked for um, employees in multiple states with constantly changing rules and guidelines. Yeah. Um, it was crisis management. It was supporting, um, you know, mental health. It was you know, potential, you know, furloughs and layoffs and all these things that were happening yeah. in the retail world back in March and making sure my team felt supported as they navigated that. So that was crazy. And what that taught me in that moment was resiliency. Like things are going to happen and I need to be able to just say, okay, this is my new world and I'm going to figure out how to work in it. And as a leader, if you can't do that, if your employees don't feel like, yep, my leaders got this, um, it, it, it makes it a lot harder. And so I felt like um, if I could stay strong, if I could pivot, if I could show that I could make it work, then my team would see that and they'd be like, yep, mm -hmm. we got this. Yeah. Um, so that was something I learned in that role. Um, and then when I transitioned, it was obviously very different. Um, the entire population is working from home. And so with that comes different challenges. Um, and really from a, a leadership perspective, really where... I spent a lot of my time is in that vulnerability space. So because at that point, so August of 2020, really we were kind of in the in the more challenging times of the pandemic. We still are um, mm -hmm. where people are getting tired and it's yeah. impacting, um, you know, th them, their families, you know, the moms are exhausted. They, they're heading into the fall where it's remote school. I'm a, a mom myself. And so, you know, I was dreading that. And what I learned through that is the power of just being vulnerable and, you know, trying to lead with empathy and, and really seek to understand and ask a lot of questions and be okay admitting that I don't have the answers and I'm struggling with this too. And we're going to get through this together um, and trying to help my managers and my leaders at Legit Strip really understand the importance of leading with empathy, that there's always something going on behind the scenes. And I think in the old in our in our pre-pandemic world, people walked in the door and you didn't often see what was behind um, the scenes. Right. And now we're yeah. seeing it all day, every day in the evening. And we just have to lead with empathy and we have to recognize that everybody's got something else going on in their lives. And as leaders, we can help with that. We can support that um, in in the way that we we approach our employees and some of the challenges that they're having. And that's a really challenging balance too, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like you talk about when you're first with Adidas, the first part of the of the pandemic, you know, your sort of troops look at you as a leader and you go, okay, like you said, they, if she's got it, we're good, you know? But that, I mean, it, you carry so much of that, mm -hmm. right? Because you're all, it's like this, it's not necessarily a, a, a facade, but it's always like, okay, I, like, I gotta be strong. I gotta be strong. I gotta be strong. I don't know. At a certain point you go, I don't wanna be strong anymore. You know, like I need to, <laughs> I need to like, you know, and so that, that transition is tough, I think too, because then you go, I, I think as, as leaders, you also think about, okay, so if I'm open and vulnerable, there's two parts of that. If I'm open and vulnerable, it's, it gives others sort of permission to, to show what their feel is too, right? The other part of it is, well, if I let my guard down, then, ooh, um, what's that going to mean? And it's just, it, it's just an interesting balance, but I think the more and more people that I have talked to in leadership, it's like, yeah, leading with vulnerability, letting people know that you're trying to get the answers and that it, it just, you know, it's like that, I don't know if that, like you said, it's that empathetic piece of it while also having a really strong backbone of, okay, as a leader, this is what we're planning to do. And we've got a strong team to go and execute on that.
It's yeah, really tough. it's really tough. But I think you can, as a leader, do both. Um, and I probably shouldn't be sharing this publicly, but I had a, a moment, and this was probably two or three months into kind of the craziness of of, of retail during COVID. And I remember a, a meeting with my team, and it was, I mean, things had just, I had, I put on that strong face, and I was, you know, not only dealing with with challenges at work, but then also my kids in school and all these different things and my own personal emotions around, you know, not seeing friends and family. Um, and I had a moment where in a meeting, it was, um, you know, there was a lot going on early on in the summer last year. And I did, I, um, I had one of those emotional moments and it showed, um, I think my whole team started crying too, but, um, it was a really, it was an opportunity to bond. So I think there's, Um, there's, there are ways that you can be strong, but also show that you are human and Mm -hmm. it goes a long way because I think it brought our team closer together to realize, you know, it's okay to feel these feelings and have these emotions. And especially as HR, um, professionals (laughs) who carry the weight for a lot of others, um, and for, you know, entire organizations, you know, it, it it was a really powerful moment. So, you know, I found that, that you can have both. Yeah. So what do you do? What are some of the things that you do to recharge? I love to go on walks. Um, I, I honestly, if I'm having a tough day, I will step outside no matter how horrible the weather is and go for a walk, take the dog, just separate myself from, um, from what's going on and, and give myself some space to think. And I think that's so important for everybody is, is to give yourself, give yourself, uh, permission to, to think and breathe and, and take some space as you need it, it goes a long way and you come back and you're more refreshed and you're ready to tackle the next um, adventure. So I have an Apple watch and you know, they have that breathe app on there and he takes seven deep breaths in. It's like a minute. And sometimes it's hard to take even a minute and just be like, okay, I'm going to do this thing just to, after one minute of deep breathing, like literally it's seven breaths, you feel so much better. And it's like, you know, why don't I do this every day? Why don't I do this every, every hour? Why do I need a watch to tell me to do this? Yeah, right? thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable because you're right. It just, yeah, there's the content that, that has been out there for, you know, these last 12 months is just, or 14 months is just, there's there's so much. And sometimes it just, you try to be on top. And imagine from a people's perspective for you too, that you guys have carried, you really have, you've carried so much weight on. And organizationally, for all your employees, for the employer, all the things that have been going on in the world, I mean, all that stuff. And, you know, at a cer- it's just, it, you know, at a certain point, you, you, it's like, ah, well, I can only do so. I can, I cannot control everything outside. And so I can control attitude, effort, and everything else will land as it may, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the power of positivity, you know. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, yeah. No, yeah. it, you have to go into it um, assuming positive t- intent with everything, and then also yeah. just just keeping yourself up. Otherwise, you'll let yourself get down because it is it's yeah. a, it's a heavy burden. But um, but anybody that goes into HR, I think, knows that, <laughs> and that's why we do it, right? Like I love helping people. So yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in a good op- you're in a good position to to give some good guidance, just like your mentor gave you to to you know say yes to things and not say no. I have had some incredible mentors. I think if, if for those um, that I often mentor myself that are 
trying to figure out where they want to go in HR. It's all about having that positive mentor, both at First Tech and Adidas, people who see where you should be before you even see it and then can help you figure out how to get there. And then I can, in turn, um, repay the favor by helping others as well as um, supporting my leaders within LegitScript so yeah. that we can um, we can get through this. And we will. Yeah. And um, it's super exciting. I love the work that I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, it's so great to hear. So if you had uh, a chance to get coffee or a cocktail with anybody in history, past, present, future, you know, maybe you know someone in the future. I don't know. Who might that be and, and why? So this is a really tough one for me, but, and most people would have like some really cool famous person or something super inspirational. But for me, um, a few years ago, about three years ago, I had a really close friend pass away from cancer and mm. she was another mom and she has three kids, her sons and my son's class. And, you know, I think about her all the time and I think about her, especially now, I'm always like, what would she think going through this crazy time that we're in? Um, and, you know, her daughters call me their second mom, along with a lot of other moms. Um, but I think about her often and I think, gosh, how great would it be to have coffee with her? Like, oh. just ask her or just not even ask, ask her how she remained so positive and resilient um, through the end, because that to me is like true bravery and courage, but also to tell her how awesome her kids are and all the cool things that they're oh, doing. So I think if there, if, if you had to give me a list of people that I would have coffee with, that would be who it would be. What a great answer. I mean, really like I, you're right. I think, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine too, and she said, any famous person you want to talk to or learn about what they're saying or whatever, like you can go to YouTube, you can go to Instagram, you can go to it. Like you can go everywhere to sort of see, it's not, you know, one-on-one, but that personal like experience, that personal relationship that, I mean, what a great answer. And I think, ah, you know, people are taken from us way too soon, or maybe they're taken at the right time. It's just too soon for us, right? It's too soon for us to know. Yeah. I, I, I just appreciate that answer. Well, and I, I think too, I've learned a lot from her. So for me, it's like, yeah, of course I'd have coffee with someone that I learned a ton from. And yeah, she, yeah. she left too soon, but um, gosh, the imprint that she left on everybody is yeah. um, pretty incredible. So, well, for those of us uh, or those out there that, that might want to learn more about you uh, or about LegitScript, where can they find, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn is great. I, uh, I love LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite um, non- social media, social media sites. So find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, the legit script website also has my profile and I think you can email me through there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for not saying no. Uh, when I asked uh, to have you join, I really appreciate the time today. And um, yeah, I'm glad this was your first one. Hopefully it was good. Hopefully you had, a, you had a good time um, on the podcast and um, yeah, just thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. I had a great time. Yeah. Not a little, little nervous at first, but, um, but you <laughs> well, made it a lot easier. So thank you so uh, much for having me. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. And good luck with all the, with the move coming up, uh, well, I guess in October, but uh, those, those office moves are, are, uh, can put another layer of stress on you. So um, good luck with, uh, with getting into the new space too. Power of positivity. It is going there to be awesome. Go. It's going to be the best. <laughs> it's going to be the best. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kristen. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider podcast. To follow along and get additional insights from each episode, visit cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.